ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to another episode of Thoughts on Films, the podcast that thinks a lot on films in Malaysia and beyond. My name is Fikri, and I know I say this uh, for almost every single episode that we do, but today we have a very special episode indeed, because we have with us here Mr. Anwar Johari Ho. Mr. Anwar, hello. Hi. Hi. Glad to be here. Thank you, Fikri. No, no, thank you for your time and your effort. Uh, we, we do appreciate that. How are you doing, Anwar? Everything all right back home? Uh, yeah, so to speak. I mean, obviously the elephant in the picture is the, uh, you know, the whole MCO thing. Everything's being postponed, being pushed. Mm-hmm. But, you know, surviving. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I think in, in, in many respects, uh, surviving is thriving. Um for, for quite a lot of people. Um, so yes, uh, but we will talk perhaps a bit more about that because right now, certainly in the Malaysian context, some people uh, are of the opinion that you know, filmmakers should make films or filmmakers should kind of hold back a bit more. So we'll see if there's any part of our conversation here today where we where we can work that into the interview. But the focus, yeah. Anwar, is actually going to be a lot more on you and your film. Uh, a bit of yeah, background fun. for for our dear listeners who may not be aware. Recently, we reviewed Anwar's film, uh, Forget Me Not. So I suppose in many respects, this interview is an attempt to do exactly that, to to not forget, to remember, to historicize a bit more of uh, Anwar's perspective and, and story as a, as a filmmaker. And I think the best possible place to start is always at the beginning. Um, what sparked your interest in filmmaking? Is there a kind of moment that you can pinpoint as the definitive starting point of your of your career or your interest in this as a career? Um, well, it's a little bit complicated because uh, I couldn't really find an exact moment where I wanted to be, you know, a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, I spent, give or take, four years in the UK doing a law degree and all right you know previously I you know before going to uni and everything I wanted to major in journalism but well told my parents that and my parents were like you know since you like writing that much uh, why don't you be a lawyer right okay it's not the same thing parents but you know at the time, I was lost as well. I, I, I didn't really exactly know what I wanted to do. Say I, I do journalism and then, you know, <laughs> hmm. what's the end goal after that? So, yeah, I just went through the degree and then I guess I was watching um, a film by Jean-Marc Varley. He's a, he's a Canadian French director. He direct, I watched uh, Wild mm-hmm. by him. And then I don't know, I guess it's just the the way he presented, you know, a story which is like about a true story of a girl, of a girl crossing the Pacific Crest Trail. Uh, All right. And then, yeah, the way he brought about the flashbacks of her traumatic past and the way he <laughs> smooths it out, you know, he smooths the mm. narrative into... It's just, yeah, it's, it's basically an exploration of someone's life in the context of her hiking the Pacific Crest Trail. And 
watching that and I'm like would be cool if I if I do that right? <laughs> <laughs> if, I, if I make a film you know if I if I can actually make a story where I can sort of utilize flashbacks and then put in putting in a film and then yeah talking about you know traumatic past and yeah so yeah okay yeah, well yeah that's like I, I guess that's the moment okay <laughs> that's fair enough that's fair enough uh, yeah, this is this is back in 2015 as well. So, okay, and and you were yeah. still in in England at the time, yeah, or in the UK at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was still in Reading, University of Reading. So, oh, you also oh, basically, you were already at Reading to begin with, before oh, shifting yeah, yeah. to to filmmaking. <laughs> ah, uh, okay. Yeah, the film school is because, well, uh, I heard about the film school and. Uh, university because I had friends there mm. and you know to sort of uh, smooth the transition of being a lawyer into a filmmaker I was telling my mom like hey look you know I'd rather spend an extra year rather than doing the bar I would rather do a master's in film mm. yeah and then yeah I guess she was like okay with it because uh, by then I was already doing several things for the Malaysian society. All right. Um, I directed a play and then that was, uh, I, yeah, I wrote and directed a play. That was, I guess she watched it and she was like, yeah, I think law is definitely not for you, seeing your grades and everything. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I just wonder yeah. though, uh, I mean, there are two points I kind of want to bring up here. The first is that I think in some ways, we can kind of match your journey with that of Gerard Butler's, uh, oh, really? the, the Scottish actor, because uh, in an interview, he also mentioned how he went through the whole law process. So he went to university, he studied it, he, he went through the bar exam and whatnot. Oh, and, wow. then, and then wow. the first... He did an extra step. Yeah, yeah, he did all those things. And then the first day, or within the first few days or the first weeks of him actually starting work as a fully qualified legal professional or lawyer or whatever barrister or someone yeah he, he probably he thought to himself nope not for me <laughs> so, so you kind of got oh, yeah, out yeah, a bit relatable. before he did very relatable yeah yeah That's, so uh, i guess exactly yeah all right but mine is more like you know it's more of a accumulation of i guess wariness i guess with the degree okay and by the end i'm like yeah this this is definitely not for me. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. I, I do yeah. wonder though, now that I know that about you, I do wonder whether there's any aspect of, of of your legal or your law studies that you kind of brought over into the, the filmmaking side um, that, that huh. you can share with us. Because surely there must be one or two things, I, I suppose. Well, huh. actually, do not think so. <laughs> No. I try to leave that passing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite wise, actually. So, you know, you're you're, oh, you're yeah, starting I, a new book. Why why are we still talking yeah, about the old one? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, when my family is like, you know, getting come, coming to terms with like, I'm like, oh, I, I want to be a filmmaker. I want to make films. I'm like, oh, why don't you make a film about you know the courtroom process or you know suits or anything like that. <laughs> Yeah, I, th- I guess that's like one thing I will never make a film about. 
Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, but but we shall see how how the future unfolds. Um, yeah, we in, shall see. And and a, a, a lot of your response earlier connected to the one of the upcoming questions I have, which is basically how you found out about the program. Uh, I suppose the answer to that is. Uh, the, the the master's program, the master's filming program that yeah, you did. Yeah. So I, I suppose the answer to that was I was already at the university. <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, um, basically, basically. Um, what was the experience like when when you got into the master's program? Um, you're oh, there. Uh, what was it like? It was great. It was it was like you know studying. I've never been a fan of essays, you know, mm-hmm. writing legal essays and everything. But then getting into the course and having to study like you know Bazan and Godard <laughs> all the film school basics almost oh, like wow this is all the shit that I wanted to do it seems like yeah and they uh, they have a really interesting course called uh, uh, film programming and festivals oh, oh wow that's we, amazing yeah so where we we actually got to uh we were invited to go to Rotterdam, mm. and, and oh, that was that was such an experience. Met Jiu Jungkook there and uh, shook his hand. Didn't didn't know he was that short. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you always have an idea about some filmmakers. You watch their works and then you think, "Wow, okay, this is what this person might be." And then you meet Great them in real life. It's it's not exactly the same thing. Yeah, it's it's really like. Yeah, the whole course, you know, before joining up is, you know, being watching like his work and everything. It's like, wow, this is you know, such a mystical character, such a mystical director. Wonder how he is in real life. And then when, you know, going to festivals and everything, they really de- demystify, you know, the, the role of the director. They're like, ah, they're just like, you know, every other guy. <laughs> and it's, 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 it's just really cool, you know. And, um, yeah, I'm really grateful for that, for uh, festivals. Yeah. The, uh, the, the, the program itself, the course. Excellent. And, uh, yeah. With regards to the course, it is also through this course that you made the aforementioned film, Forget Me Not. Um, yeah, yeah. We're going to delve a lot deeper into the film in the second half of today's episode. But for now, I just kind of want to have an idea about the process of making it with your classmates and lecturers? Uh, I mean, what, what was their feedback like and, and how much did their suggestions and, and their feedback, how, how much of it actually affected the final version of the film? Um, anything that you incorporated or, or was it a case of, nope, this is my story, I'm just going to tell everything the way I want to do it? What, what was it like for you? Well, it's more, I guess it's more of a both, both hmm. uh, way sort of thing. Because... <clears throat> We actually earlier in the year we had to make a like a sort of a microfilm, a micro long take film, mm-hmm. which uh, turned out to be Happy New Year, which is technically, I guess that would technically be my first short film. No, uh, I have to change the review now. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, no, it's, it's, I, I consider that like a micro film, something just for myself. <laughs> fair enough, but, fair enough. I see yeah, where you come from. And, yes. Yeah, so because from that, and I got quite a good mark on it, mm. uh, I just, when I had to present my idea for my, basically the thesis, uh, it was sort of an expansion of it. And the 
lecturers were already, you know, they, they loved the microfilm and they were just like, okay, we're going to put you with uh, this lecturer, Alison Butler. Uh, she'll help you. She'll, mm. She she knows a lot about uh, Asian cinema. And yeah, and she's great. Her feedback is literally like, oh, I just want to see it now. I just want to, want to see you film it now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, she just, uh, the only thing she recommended were to watch uh, Alan Rene. Okay, yes. More, yeah, more of his style because I, I, I told him, uh, I told her I wanted to, you know, dwell into the past. Like, I wanted to insert flashbacks and everything. And mm. so we watched Hiroshima more and more together and mm. Yeah, that, that, that film. <laughs> yeah, that's one of those films. Uh, if you go to a film school, it's, it's one of those films you have to watch, basically. Yeah, basically. And so, yeah, it's it's more of a cooperation between me and my uh, supervisor, basically. And yeah, extremely grateful for that. Fantastic. Um, by the way, the microfilm you mentioned, was it Happy New Year? Yeah, yeah, it was Happy New Year. Ah, so, all right, right, right. We, yeah, I, yeah, I saw that one as well. Um, intriguing, intriguing, and, and <laughs> a very well-made film, certainly. Um, in terms of coming back to Forget Me Not, uh, what, what was the seed of origin for that particular film? I mean, what really gave you the idea that this is a story or the film that you want to make? It goes back to Happy New Year again because I was uh, writing it with my girlfriend, co-writer, Ellen Arte. Okay. And uh, her idea was basically when we were preparing for Happy New Year, it was just, she was saying like, you know, we see all those phone booths in London mm-hmm. and you know how there's like every phone booth, there's like its own story and like it's stuck in a capsule of that own phone booth someone you know talking mm. uh, and it, it builds up it built upon that foundation where I'm like yeah I could ex- totally expand on this because in, in Happy New Year we don't get a lot of context on uh, Lay's relationship and I wanted to build upon that and forget, him, forget me not was the result of that alright yeah, yeah okay Fair enough. Um, I, I, we also mentioned the uh, the phone booth, but I think my analysis is more towards what was it again? Something about British culture or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it was like, constrained, like how she's entrapped in a <laughs> sort of. Yeah. I know it sounds yeah, a bit ridiculous, but it, it's kind of you know the thing about no, the phone booth just... is that it's it's a very public thing. Uh, I mean, you have your own space, but it's it's also yeah. played out in a very public way. So whatever private conversation you are having from the outside, maybe people cannot hear it, but people can certainly see how you react and and emote. Exactly. So I, I think there's that exactly it. that contrast that which can be quite interesting. Um, yeah, it's yeah, it's because um, you know, with the whole identity nature of uh, forget me not, all the whole themes about it, it it really is. The whole British identity in it, the public space, going mm. into it as a private capsule, of, mm. uh, literally, you know, a phone booth, a booth, and then um, it's just 
I found it really interesting. It's um, there's a lot of stories. Yeah, towards uh, each phone booth. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Um, and in, you mentioned that the script or the story was worked on um, by you and Eleanor. Uh, what was the process like uh, working with another scriptwriter? Um, is, is it a matter of some, you know, somebody come up with an idea and then you kind of build on that, or what was the process like, really? Yeah, it's yeah. She would uh, we would come up with ideas and then we. Yeah, like you said, we would build, build upon them, and mostly I would write them out first, and mm. she'll uh, basically doctor the script, and she's like, oh, this scene doesn't make sense. Like, what are you talking about here? It doesn't make sense. She goes from here. To <laughs> we, and then we would, uh, we would go in arguments, and then, like, but I wanted to show them about <laughs> And But, yeah, it's mostly, you know, since we're getting out, I would say it's a, extremely personal film um we wrote it based upon you know ourselves mm -hmm. so <clears throat> in a way writing Ile was a sort of a way i i'm trying to understand eleanor all right and, uh, yeah so most of the attention goes towards Ile and well with pang leong's character Leong, sorry Mm -hmm. uh, he, yeah, he's a representation representation of myself. Who in the film would I would say misunderstands a lot of things that Ilay wants. So, mm. yeah, understood. Does, does it also mean that you also walk around with a half smoked cigarette in <laughs> somewhere nearby? Uh, no, no, no. That was uh, that was Eleanor's idea. Actually, she was because uh, we were talking about how. So since we're basing it sort of off a song, you know, Forget Me Not, mm. which is the name of the Chinese song, we, she came up with the idea of like, hey, why don't we sort of, you know, make Pang Leong unforgettable. He's making make him really memorable to everyone. Mm. And why don't we put a cigarette on his ear like all the time and then people would be like yeah that's the guy with the cigarette <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant it, it, <laughs> now that you explained it like that uh, I, I was just thinking of a similar example in KL Gangster in oh no in, in, <laughs> don't worry it's all good it's all good <laughs> but it's it's, the, it's actually the sequel uh, KL Gangster 2 which is actually the prequel to the first film okay and I think in the in the entirety of the film, uh, one of the characters he basically had this unlit cigarette that he would keep with him. But by the end, yeah. uh, when he feels as if he's forced to enter uh, so-called the gangster world, if you will, then he would actually you know light the cigarette, and, and that becomes like yeah. a, a signifier for him to like to say that he's turned bad. Or whatever. Yeah, um, is that <laughs> is that the reason? Advice. Is that the reason why um, uh, he Leong would, would smoke the cigarette that he would become a gangster back in Malaysia? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, honestly, I haven't seen Kill Gangster too. But, uh, <laughs> but the reason it was, uh, I guess, it's a destruction of his identity. Yeah. Because. Oh well, he basically burnt bridges with uh, with Ile after that phone call, mm. and 
by him smoking a cigarette. The one thing that I guess after meeting her, that's the symbol of uh, their relationship. Mm. And it literally is burning it, burning, burning the uh, the whole thing up. Yeah, that's very true. And that's very yeah, true. He also he also mentioned that the cigarette is, I guess, he smokes when he's lonely, right? Mm. Then. Uh, he, I guess he kept that in a way to um, to show that he doesn't want to be alone anymore. He uh, he's done trying to work out a long distance relationship, and he's just yeah burning bridges. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, I I didn't think about the burning bridges bit. I must say uh, that's a very good way of putting it. Um, yeah. So yeah, and this this. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a kind of observation that comes about when you actually speak to the person who would originate these ideas. Um, it's, it's a meeting of minds and ideas, essentially, as far as to better understand both you, uh, Anwar, and, and the film. And, and that's something that we appreciate. I, I did mention that in the second half of the episode, we are going to talk a bit more about the film, but it seems as if we have already gotten started on that. But uh, we do have a second half coming up. So we're going to take a short break for now. Ladies and gentlemen, don't Go anywhere. Uh, we'll be right back after this. Right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back for the second half of today's interview with Anwar Johari Ho. Uh, Mr. Anwar, Director Anwar, in my review, I noted the film's apparent drawing upon of influences from the likes of Wong Kar Wai and a bit of Edmund Yeo here and there and whatnot. Um, I just wonder how much of this is true and, and whether it's a difficult one to process like in, in the course of making the film basically where where do the other influences end? Uh, where does Wong Kar Wai end and Anwar Johari Ho begins? Uh, well, let's start first uh, with Edmund Yeo. <laughs> Sorry, what? Let's start with Edmund Yeo first. All right, okay. So, well, I wouldn't say there's uh, a lot of, uh, it wasn't intentional, the um, the influences by Edmund, mm. but it's interesting you brought that up because during my master's, uh, my lecture for film programming, mm-hmm. she, she basically said like, oh, actually, I'm a, I've corresponded a few times with Edmund and if you'd like, I'd give him your email and then you could contact him during, you know, oh, okay. the course. And yeah, so he was basically the my first contact towards the Malaysian industry. Oh, wow. And, How about that? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, exactly. So corresponding between him a few times and, uh, you know, we, we shared our works and then he gave me a list of books basically to read. And then, yeah, he's a... Great guy, and then that would be, I guess, you know, the one thing that I'm really grateful for. Uh, but I guess it was more of a coincidence that 
his works <laughs> when when I watched uh, you know his short films. Mm. Like, oh yeah, you know we we like the sort of style that you know we we do in our, in our films, and I guess it's just a coincidence. Okay, fair enough. Uh, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. So with Wong Kar Wai, mm-hmm. he uh, yeah, it's obvious with the whole you know the the style of the film, literally, and I guess it was because. He came to my life at a difficult time. Uh, mm-hmm. I've been watching back in you know when I was doing my law degree. I was I uh, the only films I watched were basically films from the West. I watched uh, you know Scorsese, of course, and um, John Godard's work. Mm-hmm. That's the that's basically the uh, the extent of how art house I would get right. Uh, back, so a lot of my influences back then, it was literally just uh, Western cinema. Mm. But then when I, I guess when I met Eleanor, uh, and she suggested like, hey, why don't we watch uh, something from Hong Kong? Why we should watch In a Mood for Love? So uh. Back in 2016, I guess. And yeah, when. <laughs> when when that popped up, when, when I when we watched that, and I was like, yeah, this is a whole new world. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, exactly. And I was uh, really trans. And after the uh, the twentieth viewing in, <laughs> in in two weeks, twenty uh, times in two weeks. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I love the film as well, but I, I don't think I've seen it twenty times in total. But, no, but I, I, I yeah. don't know. It's just, it's just like I really don't know why. It, it, it's from then on, I was like, yeah, he's he's a freaking grandmaster. And like, yeah, pun intended. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a difficult time for me, and when watching that, it really like. Made me even more, you know, want to get into filmmaking, and I was like, "Oh, what would be so cool if, like, you know, this is, uh, uh, I, I actually sort of uh, make an homage to Wong Kar Wai, because like, oh, this is, I would say, like, such a, yeah, I'm grateful for him existing, basically. <laughs> oh wow, uh, you and I yeah, both. So, yeah, exactly. So. Then, by then, it was I, I didn't really have a chance to make a uh, short film or films in general. I had the chance to write and direct the play. So the play basically is a direct homage to his work. Oh wow! Uh, and then, you know, when I got the chance to make a short film, I was saying, yeah, my, my I, I guess it was. By then, it wasn't really on my mind. It was more of, um, I guess, subconsciously, his style was already embedded in my DNA. Mm. So when we were filming it, and then I realized, like, oh shit, I actually, I actually stopped down on the frame rate here. (laughs) 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 Why did I do that? It's, it's a part of your subconscious identity now. 
Should, should we call you Anwar Johari Wong instead? No. <laughs> it was... Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny because by the middle of the filming and I'm like, yeah, I, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll make this an homage to Wong Kar-wai as well because of how much he influenced my whole being as a person. And um, yeah, so I even credited Wong Kar-wai as like a special thanks there in the end of the film. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but, Yeah. I, I because you, certainly watching the film, you can't run away from that. Um, but but what about you though? I mean, again, I, there, there's a lot of Wong Kar Wai in the film, but but what you know? Um, can we kind of point to Anwar one Johari idea Ho, right? that that is like, you know, this is not Wong Kar Wai. This is Anwar Johari Ho. Is is there one part of the film that you can look at and and can kind of consciously identify that as such? Oh, well, see, I, I, I view my films as a way to understand myself as well. So, mm. okay, to put a, an analogy, basically. Um, after Forget Me Not, I went on to shoot my next short film uh, called Burung Burung. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was shot in Sabah. And by then, I was obsessed with uh, a lot of works from Japanese cinema. I was uh, obsessed from, with Koreda, uh, Naini Kawase. That's the first thing that I was really obsessed with, watching her documentaries. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that that was, that wasn't the intention going into the film. But then watching the film after post-production, I was like, I, I don't know. It's, it's sort of a way, when I was shooting in Sabah, I was trying to find myself. I was trying to find myself as an identity because coming back from festivals, everyone's saying, like, oh, you're so goddamn Wong Kar Wai. Huh? Wong Kar Wai is your favorite director. Huh? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <that's so> much. <laughs> I don't know why, but for somehow that sounded like an insult. Uh, yeah, it does. It does. It, it's, uh, I mean, it's supposed to be a compliment, but I, I do feel like it sounded like it's not completely a, a, a whole compliment for some reason. It felt that way. You know? So it's very disheartening like, you know, listening to, I guess, uh, the filmmakers from the festivals I go to and they're like, oh, it's, you know, you, you just gotta step away from him. But I, one, at one time I was like, why, why not? You know, I'm, I'm still discovering myself and mm-hmm. it's, it's complicated. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree with you, Anwar, because the, yeah. the films we make will always be in, in some shape or form a reflection of who we are and, and the different stages of um, not just our life. I think that comes into the equation as well, but but the film journey. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, exactly. And, and so, you, there's no problem with that. I mean, when, when other people say that, I, I do feel that perhaps sometimes they kind of forget. Maybe they don't know to begin with, but, yeah, yeah, but or, or, or maybe they know, but they kind of forgot what it was like but right at the very beginning. I'm sure if you go to all these filmmakers, their first films would be like, hey, that one like Spielberg, huh? <laughs> you know? So, I'm sure there's going to be some kind of influence like that as well. Yeah, and I guess when you ask the question, like, where does Anwar Johari Ho begin? I, okay, for now, there's, I wouldn't say there's a definitive style to me, but... I only want to tell, from now on, I only want to tell stories that 
I've experienced. I've already, I know the, the very essence of what I'm going to tell because I've already experienced it. So I only want to make films that basically is a fictionalized version of what happened, of what, you know, my own experiences. Mm. And yeah, it's, it's just funny because filming my second short film, it was literally like, oh, this cannot be, this cannot be Wonka Wai. So the whole st- structure, this whole, the whole story is uh, so different. Like, I don't know these characters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true, true. <laughs> and, and I don't know, you know, I don't know, I don't feel the same attachment as I did with uh, Forget Me Not. Okay, true, it's all, yeah. It's uh, literally an homage to Wonka Wai. But still, the characters were basically myself and my girlfriend, Eleanor. Okay. So, yeah, there's the whole attachment to it, and that's why this film is so dear to me. <laughs> oh, so it should be. Yeah. It deserves to be uh, dear, not not just to you, but also to a lot of others, because I, I think I've made clear how uh, strongly I feel about the film. Um, yeah. And, and the point that you mentioned earlier about exploring, I suppose, ideas about yourself and whatnot, uh, it kind of segues nicely into the next question, because I kind of noted how the, the film discussed in in some ways, my reading is it my reading is that the film discuss ideas of Chineseness on on one level, and and on oh, yeah. another level, uh, the idea of people being very far away from home. But I, I suppose before we get to that, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I need to preface this: I've actually never met Anwar uh, in real life, and I, in fact, I've not I've not even spoken to you before. I think well, what, on, on, forty well, minutes. Huh? We've <laughs> only messaged a few times. Um, yeah, I, I think to begin with, how how would you identify yourself? Because I, I I mean I look at your name, but I can't tell, like, what am I? Fu- right? Yeah, what are you are, are you fully you? Chinese or are you not named? But then asking that question also kind of makes me feel a little dirty because I don't you know it's not like I'm trying to objectify you. Or anything. Um, at the end of the day, ladies and gentlemen, we're all human beings, right? But <laughs> at, at least in relation to the question uh, of you know um, the discussion we see in the film, uh, how how do you see yourself, and and how does that kind of relate to what we see on screen um, with regards to ideas of Chineseness and all this stuff? Yeah, well, you see, it's deliberate. My name uh, on my on my IC is just Anwar Johari. Mm. And oh man, so many times when, especially when I'm in uh, West Malaysia, mm. I would just show up my IC or you know, especially roadblocks now as well. So, but yeah, so my name Anwar Jari Ho is deliberate because my my father is pure Chinese. Mm-hmm. And my mom is, uh, she's ethnic Bajau, which, uh, and she has a mixture of Chinese as well. So growing up, it's, uh, it is literally a hard thing to identify myself with. Like, I, I can't really identify myself with this diaspora. I can't, you know, I'm not exactly Malay. Um, I'm Muslim, but then being with other friends that are Muslims, it's, it's different when you're brought up in a not exactly 
you know, religious family. Mm-hmm. And so it is, it is a struggle. I, I always talk to this about, uh, about this with my sister and we can't really, you know, put ourselves into any group. So this whole film is basically an exploration of that. Uh, I, Pang Yong is basically a character I sort of based on mm-hmm. where he's Pang Yong, uh, the whole story actually, because uh, being Chinese in the UK, being Malaysian basically, if you look Chinese, you're Chinese. Mm. <laughs> they, they, they can't really understand where uh, it's like, oh, I'm Malaysian. And then like, okay, but I know other Malaysians who are brown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know Do they actually say brown? Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, My goodness. White people. White people. <laughs> well, we call them white people as well. So it's, you yeah, know, exactly. pot, cattle, like, and all like, that. I'm Scottish. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that okay we're different right mm. like my, my white lectures that we're different and on another note uh which is more subtle uh Pangong is actually you know Sabahan if definitely no one picked this up I, I didn't the, pick it up yeah yeah on the uh, wedding invitation card mm-hmm. the yeah he basically invited Lei to Sabah essentially <laughs> No, ah. one, no one picked it up. It's a very, very, very short thing. Very, very small thing. Small yeah. detail. You know what? I think and I was distracted by the subtitle because it just said yeah. wedding invitation. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't read <laughs> oh, the actual card itself. No, it's fine. <laughs> it's actually good. It's just that because of the subtitle, I just ended up focusing on that and then I understood what it is. Yeah. I did, and then I didn't really yeah. like look at the whole... It, and it was only like, one second, I think, or yeah, maybe even less than that on screen. So I didn't. No one could pick it up. <laughs> oh wow! And and that wasn't the intention. That was never the intention for people people to pick that up, because yeah, I, I, there were more Sabahans who could talk about this mm-hmm. better than I do. So I just want to just you know touch on it, just a little bit touch on it. Mm. And yes, literally my experience with uh, you know past relationships with Eleanor, where. There's always that fear of like my family, like oh, you're dating a West Malaysian. <laughs> oh really? So, so well, no, not no, but you know, it's just there's, there's a little fear there because uh, I'd say it really is living here now is uh, I I feel like it's a whole different country, West Malaysia. <laughs> yeah, and I must say yeah. that because. I mean, just very briefly, uh, you probably don't know this about me, but I, I'm i a Malaysian, but I lived in Indonesia um, oh, yeah. for a number of years as well. And I think when I, there was one point in time when I would fly back on a regular enough basis. And, and to me, in my mind, it's just a two hour flight. And then when people talk to me about it, I say, yeah, it's a different country, but it's only a two hour flight two hours and, and five or yeah. ten minutes or whatever. And and then I explained that, you know, if you go to 
you know, different parts of Sabah, Sarawak, for instance, uh, you know, other parts of Malaysia or other parts of the same country, it's actually a lot further away. And I think exactly. that, that geographical distance is something that people kind of do have to bear in mind because certainly in, in my experience, um, how similar, uh, I guess you could say, the political or sociocultural makeup of a country is mm-hmm. to, to another country uh, it's not really a reflection of the actual nation-state boundary per se. It's not like Malaysia, yep. Indonesia, but it's like okay, the distance. How many, you know, how many kilometers are we talking about here, or how many hours of, of flight or whatever. So, um, so I think coming back to to what you mentioned just uh, earlier, I, I I would agree with you. Not 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 a different country in the sense that you know. Oh, Sabah Sarawak should be their separate country um, because yeah. I, I do like my Sabahan and, and Sarawakians. Um, you know, <laughs> we're all one family and all that. Yeah. But but that, there should also be kind of a recognition of how things are actually, you know, different. Different, yeah. Completely different, yeah. Exactly. So yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's uh, that's how I wanted to metaphorically put in with uh, Lei being, you know, from China. And mm. Kelvin Pangleong from uh, from Malaysia, who is a Chinese. So yeah, metaphorically, that's sort of like I'm trying to tie it back to me being Sabahan, which I guess it's a little bit. I I wouldn't say obvious, but it's more su- not subtle when Lei was uh she was saying like oh uh, she Malaysian and like oh yeah I guess your mom would love it then. <laughs> yes. So. Yeah, that's sort of like, yeah. I would imagine conversations like that with my parents if I were to date someone to China. <laughs> well, exactly. And I would imagine that your imaginary Chinese girlfriend from China, her parents will actually have that same conversation as well. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Oh my goodness. Don't worry, ladies and gentlemen, I don't have COVID-19. It's just a cough. I was just... Sapu sapu sikit just now, so yeah, rayu in a few days. Oh yeah, by the way, um, spoiler alert: uh, we're we're not re- actually we we'll be releasing this in the first few days of raya, but obviously we are not recording this, you know, um, on on the second or third day of Shawal or whatever. Um, we are recording this uh, as it stands now, Friday twenty second May. So so yeah, just offering the listeners uh, a peek, a metaphorical peek behind the curtains there so they have a better idea of what's what. Um, <clears throat> um, coming back to the point here. Uh, you know, you, I, I didn't pick up on the Sabahan thing based on stuff on screen, but I did kind of yeah. wondered how your own identity as, as a Sabahan kind of had anything to do with, you know, where we're... Chinese, but not Chinese and whatnot, because as, as far as I, I know, certainly, you know, when we talk about the different communities um, in, in any given nation, really, there's always going to be that discussion, you know, it, it exists yeah. in, <clears throat> in Indonesia as well. And I think if you expand the discussion, even to other places like Thailand, Singapore and whatnot, there, there will always be um, such considerations and discussions. And go all the way to Yugoslavia. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I think that one is is uh, oh, it has um, advanced a, a little further beyond the discussion, um, a little further than that. I, I would uh, suggest. 
Yeah, even for even for the UK right now. I mean, we were just talking about you know, uh, you mentioned that you know I'm Scottish, I'm not English yeah. or whatever. You know, so even <laughs> in that context, you will have different communities having different ideas about who they are and how that relates to yeah. to others. Um, so I think you've also managed to answer my next question. Uh, so we're going to move on to the next one, <laughs> which is actually about the characters themselves. Um, now, of course, in, in the film, we have two characters. Um, Ang Leong, you said. I, I, I identified him as Ah Leong, I think, because the boss yeah, called yeah, him yeah. that. Um, and uh, Yi Lei. But for some reason, I somehow feel like their representation on screen is, is not as balanced as it could be. I, I feel more empathy and I feel a bigger connection with Lei herself. And I, I don't know whether this is a reflection of, of my own uh, background or whether it's a reflection of what you actually put on screen, but I feel like it's not balanced. And, and to be quite honest with you, on some level, I did look at uh, Pang Leong and I did think, oh my goodness, just... <laughs> it's just you know I just come on man <laughs> what the hell are you doing exactly <laughs> exactly I, I I looked at that relationship and I feel that you know whatever she felt or feel about him absolutely justified so and I just wonder how deliberate this is it is incredibly deliberate <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like I mentioned before, uh, uh, the whole film, the beginning of it was, the start of it was always been, what, how did Nile end up in that phone booth? Mm. You know, because uh, we started Happy New Year, and how did she end up in that phone booth? So the idea has always been, Nile has always been a star. She has always been the, uh, the main focus of discovering the identity and everything. Right. But, and as well with Pang Leong, uh, I, I wrote him the way I view myself. <laughs> really? If, uh, well, it's more like I don't exactly uh, know. You know, there's a lot of uncertainty with my relationship with Eleanor. Right. And... Writing this is more of a experiment of like how I would actually be in a, in that situation. Mm. Like it's more like an extreme sort of thing where like, oh, if I actually do, do not care about all this, like, yeah, this will happen. So writing it, I'm always like, yeah, Pangna is going to be an asshole in this. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so like I mentioned just now, Ile is basically try to understand you know my relationship more how I can okay. prevent from all this happening because at the time Eleanor never you know she she didn't exactly want to leave UK she didn't she didn't because she felt like you know coming to Malaysia there's going to be a lot more problems with uh, our relationship mm -hmm. and yeah that's a reflection of that okay um, sorry yeah. if, if this gets a bit personal but is she Malaysian or is she British or yeah, yeah, she's Malaysian. All right, but she's been living in the UK yeah. for a while, basically six years now. I 
guess. Ah, okay, all right. Uh, okay, yeah, fair yeah. enough, fair enough. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense, certainly in terms of, I, I think I mentioned about, you know, the, 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 the roots, you know, where you feel most at home and, and, and that sense of yeah. belonging and whatnot. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, okay, fair enough. Um, we are nearing uh, some of the end of, of the interview. Um, before we do, though, uh, the biggest challenge you faced in making the film, no production <laughs> goes smoothly. I mean, it's never going to be 100%. So, so what was the most difficult bit? for you uh, most difficult bit every part was difficult <laughs> <laughs> you, you will notice that um, well first of all I agree with you but you will notice that it's precisely because I agree with you that the question is, is phrased as the, the, the most difficult bit rather than um, the difficult bit because uh, again ladies and gentlemen making films um, it's, it's not a walk in the park uh, it's always going to be very difficult and very challenging. But the most difficult bit for you? Uh, the most difficult bit. Let me let me think. Hmm. The I'd say the first part, which is the you know at the at the restaurant at the takeaway restaurant. Uh, well, one thing is Kelvin. Uh, Kelvin. The, the actor, mm-hmm. he uh, he doesn't. This is this would be his first film. This is his first film ever. All right. And he struggled a little bit with uh, remembering the lines and everything. But then that's not really the biggest problem. It's more like we took of took for granted the time that we had. Ah. <laughs> we had to shoot two scenes basically at two at two locations in, in one day, and then. We were like really trying to explore, like, oh, how would how would Pang Nong, you know, uh, be in this in this scene and everything. We we really took for granted. That. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the difficult part was him trying to adapt to that as well. And uh, but overall, actually, after we got through, you know, the first hurdle and everything like that, it's it's pretty smooth, honestly. Mm. The the other difficult part, the most difficult part, would be at the restaurant. We, mm-hmm. the, the for the third part, it's in two thousand two. That was uh, we only had permission to shoot for three hours mm. for a whole scene, and yeah, that was that was definitely <laughs> that was so t- so hard because we needed so much time, and then we don't actually live in London. I live in Reading. And mm-hmm. we have to get up at 5 a.m. because uh, shooting time is uh, 8, 8 a.m. <laughs> and <laughs> you have to negotiate London traffic. Yeah, and then I had to like take the tube and everything. And then that was, uh, it was the rush. And then getting there, setting everything up. We didn't have time for rehearsal. We just went for it. And then. Oh, oh yeah. you didn't rehearse didn't that last year? We didn't rehearse at all. It was. Uh, there's a reason why as well, because they wanted to drink real wine. <laughs> <laughs> so, Met, so, well, the best part of method acting, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so she was uh, by the end of the shoot, she was already drunk at 10 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's five o'clock somewhere in the world always. So <laughs> and then, um, she was, uh, but you know, she was. She held herself well. She held together, and we used that final shot of her when that was the final shot, like ever in that in the in the film. Uh, final final take, and mm. yeah, she was already like you know you can see her she's like drunk. But it was the best performance. It, it was. I had no idea. <laughs> it was amazing. And there I was thinking that you're such a great director. It turns out uh, all, all we need is just. Too much. <laughs> <laughs> I just, of course, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, people uh, be like, oh no, he's just gonna walk out. I want to be. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. Um, I had no idea. Uh, for, for, of course, there's going to be a number of people listening at home who may not have seen the film. Uh, uh, I think we probably should have explained this earlier, but basically it is told in three different parts. Um, the first one was in 96, where they meet in a restaurant. The, the second one was uh, the eve of the millennium. Um, I think in a phone booth somewhere in London. And then the the final one was in 2002, where they meet again in uh, in in, uh, in a restaurant. So, so that's the scene that we're talking about here. So, uh, just in case there are people at home who's thinking, sorry, they were talking about her in a phone booth, and now she's drunk. So was she <laughs> drunk in the phone? No, ladies and gentlemen, that's drunk the picture. <laughs> that's, well, New Year's Eve, so you know, even the millennium. So yeah. it's it's probably not entirely implausible, I must say. Um, but nevertheless, that's that. So that's the, the, the context that we're talking about here. Um, or the biggest challenge, yep. Time is always the enemy of uh, filmmakers. Uh, something that Christopher Nolan believed in so much that he put it as a tagline for Dunkirk. Um, was it Dunkirk? Now Tenet as well. Oh, no, wait. Was it, oh, was it 1917? It's probably not a Nolan film, but I think there's one of these World War films where they, you know... Um, you know, it's a race against time. I think it's 1917, uh, not, yeah, not Christopher yeah. Nolan. And, and I think the tagline for that was, time is the enemy. <laughs> so, so, yes. Um, uh, on the flip side, some good memories. I mean, surely there must be some fantastic ones that, that you encountered in, um, you know, uh, in, the, in the making of this film. Oh, yeah, amazing memories. It's uh, something I didn't want to end. And, uh hmm. I'd say one of the best was after finishing, you know, tea room. Uh, sorry, the uh, the final scene, part mm-hmm. part three. We went out for uh, for lunch with uh, Ilay already half drunk <laughs> <laughs> with our breakfast. <laughs> so so we went out to lunch and it was just the funniest thing. It was just like Ilay was so she was like ah. Drain, draining, and then she's just beca- she just be, uh, turns to herself again, and Kelvin is just you know being himself, mm-hmm. and then just looking at the whole round table, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna these people, I'm gonna work with for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're, we're gonna <laughs> have feature. sequels to the to the story. <laughs> I'm gonna make a feature out of this. I'm gonna make I'm gonna tell a story of him going to Saba and uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, that whole, you know, that really drove, like, the the feeling that, you know, we never wanted to end. And 
that drove into Eleanor. He's like, yeah, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna direct uh, the next one. <laughs> I think I'm gonna I, I want to explore more of uh, Ilay without Kelvin, uh, without um, Pang Leong. Mm. So yeah, that came uh, for a short film. So that's another follow up to uh, my short film. <laughs> yes, you shared the the link with me a few days ago. Uh, Unforgettable, is it the title? Yeah. All right. Okay. So, so that is actually is that's a direct. I haven't seen it actually. Um, unfortunately, didn't didn't manage to make the time for it before this interview. Oh, but, yeah. but that is basically a direct sequel to uh, Forget yeah, Me Not. Basically. Oh, intriguing. It's the the whole idea behind it was actually. We wanted to explore more of, um, we, yeah, actually, original intention, we didn't want it to be a direct sequel. Then only when we went into the edit, we were like, oof, this, <laughs> 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 it works better as a sequel. <laughs> oh, brilliant. It's, it adds more layers to it. And uh, it, it's more about, it is literally an exploration of identity as well. And the reluctance of leaving an adopted home, con- uh, adopted country. Mm. So, yeah, because yeah, I, I get like so many people saying like they want to leave, but then they don't want to leave, sort of thing. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so I, so yeah, she wanted to explore that, and yeah, that became the result. Excellent. Uh, is is Burung Burung also in this same so-called universe, um, or is it something completely mm, different? It can be, but no. <laughs> 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 if you really want to, you really want to grasp on straws, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it, as it turns out, there are already three films made featuring, you know, these characters or or, or the same. Story or the same characters, basically, you know. Um, if you are to be yeah, more, yeah, you know? so um, I, it would not be surprising if, if there's a bit more um, in other mm, films. No, Burung is uh, uh, trying something different else, something else. So yeah, it's just it's something we with Forget Me Not and Happy New Year and Unforgettable. Mm. It's really something the, the original intention is really it all leads up to the wedding. And that's. Uh, well, some maybe sometime in the future. <laughs> All right, excellent. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the future, what's next for you? I mean, you mentioned Burung Burung um, and Unforgettable. Uh, are both those films done um, and and ready to be screened, or is there something else that that you're working on? Yeah, right both now? both are done. Uh, Burung Burung is just finished uh, post production, like only like a few weeks ago. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, well, now with the, you know, the whole virus, <laughs> I'm not seeing it being screened anywhere soon, mm. <laughs> anytime soon. Uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll have to see with that. But yeah, of course, I'm planning my next uh, short film. I uh, think I'm going to uh, explore something really personal this time again. But even more personal, because it's more about my family being uh, Muslim converts. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, 
So I wanted to explore that route in the context of uh, my recent late grandfather's funeral. Oh. So, yeah. Uh, my condolences. Be, uh, Sorry uh, to hear about that. Yeah, I'm planning to film this in uh, Semporna, which is uh, my hometown, which is mm. west of... Sorry. So, oh, sorry. <laughs> my, uh, my geography is really bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you are a citizen of everywhere, basically. So, it's, it's fine. It's fine. It blurs. It blurs the lines. I don't see borders. <laughs> exactly. You know, you yeah. only see the people, you know, and the stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But fair, fair. That's good. Yeah. Uh, so, in, it's in Samporna, yeah? Yeah, which is uh, east of Sabah. I guess, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's fine. You say Samporna, I'm thinking of the Indonesian cigarette, which is... Samporna. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, I, I should not be thinking that, but that's the first thing that jumps to mind. So. Because cigarettes in the film, that's why. <laughs> that's the subconscious link, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Ah, there you go. I did not think and see that coming. Um, but yeah, there you go. Fair enough. Very good. Lovely. Uh, Anwar, lovely to talk to you. Um, yeah, same, man. It's been a, a, an enlightening and enjoyable conversation. Yeah, very much so. Right. don't normally like to talk about myself this much, but you know, talking to you is really comfortable. So. <laughs> good to know. And, and certainly listening to you share your thoughts and your feelings about the process of making Forget Me Not... Um, it is something that is uh, hopefully will be educational for people back home to start to think uh, more critically about films and, and start to look out for, for the films that are good like this. Um, because a lot of people, you know, when, when they talk about Malaysian cinema or whatever, um, they're always asking, like, oh, who, who are the good ones or, or which are the good films? And I think um, we can add Forget Me Not to that particular list for now. Um, so, yes, uh, and Anwar, thank you very much uh, once again. Thank you so much, Fikri. Right, I think now it's time for you to sleep, I think. <laughs> what time uh, is it in Malaysia okay. now? Uh, it's uh, 9.45 p.m. It's okay. not that late. Not that late, right. <laughs> well, it's time for me to get back to sweeping the floors, ladies and gentlemen. So I'm going to sweep this up right now uh, by bringing this episode to an end. Um Thank you, Anwar, for your time with us. Thank you to you too, ladies and gentlemen, for having made the time to sit down and have a listen to what it is that we have to say about the career of Anwar Johari Ho and his film, Forget Me Not. Very briefly, before we end, where can people watch this film? Is it still doing the festival rounds? Um, are you planning to release it online somewhere? Or what's the plan here? Well, I'm planning to release it soon, but not anytime soon, I guess. It's uh, I'm still awaiting a few festivals. Okay. So we'll see. Okay. Good, good. Maybe next year. We will definitely share uh, the latest with our listeners uh, once that's done. But for now, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Fikri. He is Anwar. Uh, Anwar, say goodbye, Anwar. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for listening. You're welcome, uh, Anwar. Thank you for your time. It's a goodbye from me as well. Have a good one, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see you when we see you. Bye bye. Everything is okay. I just want to play. Unplug for the day.